the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Silicon Valley Business Connections, brought to you by the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce, where diversity and opportunity are one. From education to employment, entrepreneurship to innovation, this program is your weekly connection to the latest trends and opportunities taking place all across Silicon Valley. Host Carl Davis Jr. talks to the rock stars of Silicon Valley and offers you engaging interviews and insights from local, regional, and internationally acclaimed business leaders, entrepreneurs, and community leaders to help you stay connected. Now, here's your host, Carl Davis Jr. Hi, I'm Carl Davis Jr., and welcome to Silicon Valley Business Connections. I'm your host, but I'm also the president of the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce, where we help all small businesses start, finance, grow, even exit their businesses. The best way to reach us and find out what we do is go to our website at blackchamber.com. That's blackchamber.com. Man, they always say I interview the rock stars of Silicon Valley. (laughs) Well, I truly have a rock star today. Good friend of mine. I'm glad to be able to say that. And uh, most of you have probably heard of him, but I'm going to introduce him. His name is Ken Coleman. He's the chairman of, and I wrote that down right here, EIS Software. Ken, how are you doing today? I just want to find out. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Nice, rainy day in Northern California, which we need the rain. There we we go. (laughs) Well, Ken, you know, people have heard a lot about you. For those who haven't heard about you, Ken is probably considered one of the greatest uh, minds here in Silicon Valley. As a matter of fact, Ken shared something with me before. He was honored to be invited to be a part of something called the 40 Black Top Black Minds in America. So, but with all that, though, forget all that, Ken. You know, who is Ken Coleman? Who do you say Ken Coleman is? Uh, The way I describe Ken Coleman is a little black boy that grew up in Southern Illinois whose parents never graduated from high school. Wow. Uh, I grew up poor. I was a a good athlete and a good student. And I felt I wanted to compete on the basketball court or the football field, but also in the math classroom. And I spent my career and my life competing, trying to be successful and making a difference. I uh, went to the Ohio State University. I'm a serious <laughs> Buckeye. Uh, I like to say I was raised in Centralia, Illinois, and grew up at the Ohio State University. Uh, I was fortunate enough to come to the Bay Area in the late 60s in the Air Force and got out and joined HP in 1972 and spent 10 years when HP was the beacon of hope in Silicon Valley for technology companies. 
And I'm sure you've heard of Roy Clay, who was the person that introduced me to HP. So Roy and I go back to 1972. But I spent 10 years at HP. Uh, I spent five years at Activision when it was a startup. And I spent 14 years at SGI, where I ended up being the chief revenue officer. I then started a software company called ITM Software that we sold five and a half years later. And today I advise technology companies and sit on the board of some other technology companies. And we try to be involved in national and regional and state level and local politics as far as uh, an advisor and a person who helps collect money to support causes and people that we think matter. And my finally, my legacy, I hope, is that because I walked this way, I made a positive impact on people. Mm. Man, that's powerful, Kim, what you, Kim, what you shared. You know, um, you've done a couple things that uh, many people aren't privy to do. I mean, you started a company. It happens to be a software company, but you sold the company. Many people don't get a chance to sell their companies. Um, can you take us through that experience, Ken? What was that about? I mean, younger people who are thinking about maybe getting a business now and think they're going to have that business for the rest of their life, you know, the strategy may be, hey, you sell that business and then you become a serial entrepreneur, whatever it may be. But give us an idea of what it's like to sell your business. Well, so my wife has a, a comment. Do you want to be rich and impactful or do you want to be king? <laughs> okay. And and so too often people get wedded to a idea, one idea. Mm-hmm. And the way I've looked at it, the the what I take with me is my relationships, not the company. Mm-hmm. And I treasure my relationship. So if we work together, I hope we have a lifelong relationship. Mm-hmm. When I worked at HP, I loved HP. When I worked at Activision, I loved Activision. When I worked at well, the company I founded, mm-hmm. ITM Software, I loved it. Mm-hmm. But when it's time, it's time. And you can't, too often people hold on to it's too late. How does someone how does someone know when it's time? How does a young entrepreneur know when it's time or what could you tell them? I can't tell you mm-hmm. when it's time. What I can say to yourself, don't get hung up on the fact that you own something. Mm-hmm. This, starting a company, I believe often people start a company because they want to be in charge. Mm-hmm. I started a company because I wanted to solve a business problem mm-hmm. and starting a company was the best way to do that. Mm-hmm. Cause by the way, you always have a boss, you know, you, if you have, if you raise capital as I did, mm-hmm. <laughs> the guys who give you that capital, you work for those people. You just don't need to understand that. Right. And I raised in nine. So this is 2001. Mm-hmm. I raised, $3 million mm-hmm. series a, 
mm-hmm. and ultimately raise more than $20 million. Mm-hmm. That would, would be a story today. It was just something I did then. Mm-hmm. There was no mm-hmm. press. You know, I just did it. Mm-hmm. And in my day, you just did things because you could, not because you were breaking new ground. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to compete mm-hmm. for, for contribution, for capital, mm-hmm. you know, for hiring people. And I didn't think about how hard it was. I knew it was going to be hard. Mm-hmm. But back to that original question, uh, we had a partner who slash channel partner was a bigger company, much mm-hmm. bigger company, still exists today, mm-hmm. that liked what we were doing and they wanted to own the asset. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, they made you an offer you couldn't refuse, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> well, I wouldn't say it that way, but it was time. It was time. Yeah. You know, I was, uh, it reminds me, I was once interviewed on CNN at my house. They came to my house. Mm-hmm. And the guy asked me a question. He said, so obviously if you live in Los Altos Hills, as I do, mm-hmm. uh, you haven't faced discrimination. <laughs> okay. And I said, listen here, <laughs> if I were white rather than black, I'd be Bill Gates. <laughs> you know, if you are black, there are some extra non natural barriers that get in your way for success. Mm-hmm. You just can't let them be your excuse for failure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause they will be there. I grew up at a time where we knew that they, I didn't even inspect it for fairness. Right. I just wanted the opportunity c- to compete. Man, that's it, man. That's so important what you're saying. And, you know, I think about the few black billionaires we have, you know, like uh, I had an opportunity to meet Dave Stewart, you know, back in New York. And what a wonderful guy he is, too. But that is I mean, that seems like a, a really tough, you know, challenge for folks. And we talk about wealth gap and all those kinds of things. As you almost stated, if if you had been white, you could have been Bill Gates. There are those barriers. Um, but, you know, as you said, too, there's no excuses because, um, you know, if you wanted to keep driving and do more, you could do more. You know, so uh, I want all the listeners to know that, you know, you made it. They can make it, too. Um, let me ask you that question before I because, you know, we only got like a couple minutes for this half. If you were giving advice to someone that was black and they say, hey, man, I want to get into this business and be in, be a software developer, own a company, uh, grow a company, and sell a company. What would you tell them? Because you said raising money is capital is always challenging. What would you tell someone how to do that? How to start even? Well, the way to start is to be great at whatever your chosen profession is. Mm-hmm. You know, just think about the great athletes. They wanted to be great. They put in the work. They put in the effort. Mm-hmm. be great baseball players, basketball players, football players, or great entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So be really good at yourself. Hold yourself accountable 
don't make excuses. And then if you want to start a company, you got to remember only about one in a hundred company founders are successful. So know what you, you have to be unreasonably committed to an idea because it will be hard Mm. and raising money is harder than hard. Wow. And you just need to be prepared for it. And, and spending time saying, well, because I'm black, that's why I, this guy didn't give me money. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't think about it that way. Mm-hmm. You got to think about, I'm going to make somebody give me money because I'm going to have such a compelling idea that they have to invest in me. Mm-hmm. Because that's business. Whether someone's white, Chinese, or whatever, if they feel you're really going to make money, they'll invest in you. Yes. And you got to appear to their, their, their concept of green <laughs> rather than black. <laughs> and, and you will never really know why they don't give you money. You really don't know. So you just says, I'm going to, it's going to be hard for, for all kinds of reasons. And I'm going to sell myself and my idea. So somebody will give me money. Okay, man, I want to do this. I want to leave it right there because that's a perfect place for us to start in the second half. You're listening to Silicon Valley Business Connections. Bay Area residents, we need your help. The coronavirus has affected everyone, and that includes Silicon Valley. Nonprofits that help small businesses like our Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce are in dire need of support. Your support helps us support and assist small businesses with workshop webinars and even one-on-one technical training for free. Please give, whether it's your time, your volunteer expertise, or donations. Go to blackchamber.com. That's blackchamber.com and see how we help Bay Area communities. And now back to Silicon Valley Business Connections. We're back. You're listening to Silicon Valley Business Connections. My guest today is Mr. Ken Coleman. Ken and I were just talking about a bunch of different things about, you know, starting a business, how you can be successful in business. And Ken, I want you to just take it from where you were talking earlier, uh, share, you know, continue to share what you were saying about, you know, there's no excuses. You know, success is out there if you want to be it, huh? Be good. Be the best. I, I wrote something down that says, be the greatest at what you do. Yeah, I think, and only you you can manage yourself. You're, my biggest management challenge, I think all of our biggest management challenge is how to manage oneself. How yeah. do I know what, who Ken Coleman is, what makes him tick and how to motivate me yeah. to be the best I can be that I can control. Yeah. So you mentioned Dave Stewart earlier, you know, just so the audience knows Dave Stewart is one of the most wealthy black Americans in the country based in St. Louis, Missouri, and founded a company called Worldwide Technology, which is the largest black-owned company in the, in the country. Mm-hmm. And when I say make a positive impact, if I walk this way, well, I was one of days when I was at SGI, first customers. Wow. And wow. so I was always, I've always looked for opportunities to be supportive of black people. And I don't make any apologies about that or excuses about that. I just want to be helpful. Mm. You know, the, the sub group in Silicon Valley that I admire very much are the East Indian brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. because 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 
They were not a factor here in Silicon Valley. But that subculture has created more wealth, managed, built more companies than any other subculture over the last couple, three decades. Mm -hmm. And one thing about East Indians, they are incredibly supportive of each other. Mm -hmm. And there's power in that in your community. And we could do so much if we were more supportive of each other. And that's good. To, that's good to hear, Ken. Um, you know, because that, that that lines into that thing I was talking about when Black Lives Matter, Black businesses must matter. And you and I were talking about, you know, something that I call it the the equalizer. You know, uh, it, maybe you could speak to that, Ken. When I grew up, you know, my parents would always say, hey, go to school, go to college. Education is the equalizer. Now, that was in the 60s and 70s. So what do you think the equalizer is now, Ken? So, first of all, I want to make sure you understand that education is really important. Mm-hmm. Very important. It gets you in the door. Mm-hmm. It doesn't guarantee success. Right. But without it, it's, the door maybe stay closed on you. Mm-hmm. So it is really important. So that's number one. But I think the big equalizer today, once you get past education and competency, is access to capital. Because statistics show that small business in general and black businesses in particular are undercapitalized. And I am very committed. And one of my objectives is to be, try to be as helpful to make the venture world much more accessible and relevant for black entrepreneurs. Man, that's huge. That's huge. Uh, Is that um, my, my thought I'd said earlier, I, I hadn't heard of a black unicorn could you share with our group what's a unicorn and and if there if there are no black unicorns, you know, let me know. But if there are some, let me know that too, Ken. Well, a, a, a billion dollars is what's called a unicorn. The billion dollars of value. Mm-hmm. That's called a unicorn. The one black unicorn is Robert Smith's company, Vista Equity. Oh, okay. So, and he is the wel- most wealthy black person in America, Robert Smith. You, um, most people have heard of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turns out, I'll tell you a little story. So Robert Smith, I was a client at SGI, Robert Smith, when he was at Goldman Sachs. Mm-hmm. And they were doing some strategy work for me at SGI. And Robert calls me in the, the conference room and says, I'm going to be leaving Goldman to start Vista Equity. Mm-hmm. And he had an idea. Somebody invested money in him. Mm-hmm. And he's been in business almost 20 years now. And like Robert told me, he's never lost money on any deal he's done. Mm. He's a brilliant brother. He's the brother that offered to pay the debt for all the Morehouse kids. If you yeah. Remember that. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Robert Smith is somebody I look up to and who's, who took an idea and ran with it. 
man, Ken, you know, Ken, even at your age, man, you're, you know, whatever age you are, <laughs> you know, you've seen to really stay relevant, man. And I, I mean, I, I, I watch your career and, you know, see that you're on different boards and stuff like that. You know, could you speak to that a little bit? Because African-Americans on board and I'll say public boards, right. Or other kinds of boards, you know, how influential is that? Well, uh, there are a couple nuggets in what you said. So one thing on age and being relevant, there's a guy named Price Cobb who wrote a book, of several books and one calling the Jesus bag, the famous person worth looking up who passed away a few years ago. And he was my mentor. And when I was 50, I was saying the price about retirement and kind of came up with an age and said, what did he think about that? And prices is retirement is just a number. Mm. You know, you should retire when you're ready to retire, when you feel like retiring, not some arbitrary number. Mm -hmm. Price wrote his last book in his 80s. Mm. So uh, you should retire when you're ready to retire. I don't think I'll ever retire until I'm my... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> till the end because i'm 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 interested in being involved in interesting people growing and learning and making a contribution uh what was your other question no it it, it was about you know um i was talking about the relevancy that you stay relevant and and that and that's good you know even at your age you're 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 on the board and you find like, uh, like what's the power of being on boards and their influence so let me tell you a story Okay, this is this is a classical me. So I, I've been in the valley a long time, and so I was on. A, I've been on almost every long service nonprofit in the valley. If it's been around a while, I probably was on it at one time. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is, I would get recruited like heck to be on nonprofit boards. Mm-hmm. But I woke up one day and said, wow, <laughs> nobody's recruiting me to be on a for-profit board. <laughs> Something's wrong with this picture. And so, uh, so I said, hey, I, I, I want to be on a for-profit board. And I went out and my first two boards were people I knew, CEOs of companies that I knew the CEO one I had worked with at Activision, mm-hmm. uh, two co-founders of, of a, a company, and another one I had been on a committee at Ohio State University Business School mm-hmm. who was running a company. If you're old enough, you remember Net Zero. Net Zero, wow, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I was with my first two companies, and once you get on a couple companies, it, it kind of happens. But the reason that board, I preach this, the reason that boards are so important I, you grow up and you think that being the CEO is important, and it is. Mm-hmm. But what's even more powerful is who does the CEO report to is his board of directors. That's right. That's right. And as they say, I want to be in the room. <laughs> and the board of directors room is the room. Mm-hmm. Hire and fire CEOs. Do we go out public and raise money capital? Mm-hmm. Do we relocate in South Africa. And so big, heavy, strategic decision get made in the boardroom. And I'm on a mission 
to get more black people in the boards of private and public companies. Man, fantastic. Well, we got about a minute or so, and I want to ask you something that's political. I know Kamala Harris is a friend of yours. You know, your thoughts on, you know, Kamala and, and now that she's the vice president, you know, can you see her being president in four years and and what should we expect? Well, I hope I, so we held one of the first of fundraisers for Kamala when she ran for president mm-hmm. and my wife was on her committee. Mm-hmm. I, and so we've known her for a while and been supportive of hers. And we talked to her before she decided to run on where we would stand if she ran. Mm-hmm. My advice to Kamala is not to think about being president yet to be the best vice president she can be. Mm-hmm. I hope that you will be president and I, you, I'll be one of the first to support her all the way. I think she would be a wonderful president. Uh, I think she's a wonderful, high integrity person, smart, committed, and the real deal. Mm -hmm. So I'm proud of her. Uh, I, as I'm sure many of the listeners here are, she is in a very important role in the country at a very difficult time in the country. And I think she's just a person to be a wonderful VP and someday the president of the United States. Wow, man, Ken, man, what an interview. Ken, man, we're, we're just getting out of time right now, man. We want to thank you today. Our special guest, Mr. Ken Coleman. He's a chairman of E. IS software. And uh, if you missed this show, you can hear this show again via podcast from the Black Chambers website. Go to blackchamber.com, go on the radio, hit podcast. And until next week, I always say stay connected. You're listening to Silicon Valley Business Connections. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Business Connections with Carl Davis Jr. and brought to you by the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce. More information about today's show is available by going to the Chamber's website, blackchamber.com. That's blackchamber.com. Or call 408-288-8806. That's 408-288-8806. Copies of our podcast are available online at blackchamber.com. If you would like to know more about a specific guest or make recommendations for upcoming guests and topics, email info at blackchamber.com. Keeping you connected, Silicon Valley Business Connections.